Welcome to Twin Peaks Radio, the show where we remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, a real mystery can't be solved, not completely. It's always just out of reach, like a light around the corner. You might catch a glimpse of what it reveals, feel its warmth, but you can't know the heart of it, not really. That's what gives it value. It can't be cracked. It's bigger than you and me, bigger than everything we know. I'm Professor Robert E. G. Black, and today, <laughs> we're not going to get very far, and the show is about to go off the rails. I, I can sense it, because we are Sarah called Betty. We left off where you know, the air sacs never felt so good. We were at the translator, and Ligalyn's about to get a phone call. In the script, he gets told something discreetly whispered by a hotel employee. In the actual show, that employee has a name, Julie. She specifically says, your wife's on the phone again. She says it's urgent. Wait, does she say again? She does, doesn't she? Huh. That makes more sense then, because Sarah said she was going to call the hotel, and then they show her calling the school. So she called the hotel. Leland didn't come to the phone, so she called the school. Okay. Now Leland gets up. Excuse me a moment, gentlemen. I'll be right back. Benjamin says make it snappy, and he tells people so here in Twin Peaks, health and industry go hand in hand. In the script, that sentence goes a little longer. A harmonious and beneficial coexistence. He's really laying it on thick. Julie says I'll transfer you to the health spa, but it's just the phone over by the door, right? Am I hallucinating? See, I've been reading a transcript of the episode, and I didn't have the episode playing. I'm going to double check. Julie did say again. Ah, uh, the transcript's wrong. It says I'll transfer you to the health spa. She says the house phone, which she means the phone that's available for people to use. It's right there in the lobby. We all know the phone call. Sarah, what is it? It's Laura with you. No, why? Shouldn't go with you this morning. No, what? Honey, what's wrong? What's this all about? And we see Sheriff Truman coming in. In the script, of course, Sheriff Stedman. She's not here. She wasn't here this morning. Well, she's probably with Bobby. I can't find Bobby. Well, then there you are. That's it. Let's not worry. I mean, they're probably together. And this is when Leland notices Sheriff Truman. Sarah says, but she would have left a note. Why didn't she leave me a note? She would have told me. Honey, honey, honey. Take it easy, please. Please. And then Sheriff Truman comes in. Goes to Julie. I'm looking for Leland Palmer. He's right over there on the phone. He says, Sheriff Truman. And Sarah says, What? Who? What, what did, did you say? say? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Laura. No. Laura. Oh, Leland, please. What is it? Tell me. Leland, we're ready to go with the contracts. Leland, what's wrong? 
my daughter's dead. first big breakdown of the show and we get so many this is from the tv guide from april 7th to 13th 1990 the week of the premiere and in the article it says sometimes humor emerges from the darkest moments the camera lingers so long on the murder victim's mother grace zabriskie sobbing over her daughter's death that many who have watched the pilot first get nervous then laugh from tension when will this woman quit I knew there was no way in hell. I would not come out looking a little weird, Zabriskie says. When friends heard me screaming and moaning so long, they were worried I had been made to look silly. But when I saw it, I was thrilled. I want to talk about Ray Wise. Born August 20th, 1947 in Akron, Ohio. Full name Raymond Herbert Wise. He has been married to TV commercial producer Cass McClaskey since 1978. Prior marriage to Juliet Burr, two children, Gannon McClaskey Wise and Kina Wise. I don't know what the source on this is, but it's got a quote from him talking about Twin Peaks. I'm so glad I played Leland Palmer. I can't even tell you. Reading the pilot episode and seeing what Leland went through, I thought this could be pretty one-dimensional. It was a father grieving for his murdered daughter. But boy, was I wrong. I had no idea the game at Leland would run during the course of that show. They just wrote a beautiful character, and I'm fortunate to have played it. Well, that's interesting, if true. Supposedly considered for the role of Freddy Krueger. Damn. 248 acting credits. Apparently one of his most recent things is he's been a recurring character on Fresh Off the Boat. So many TV show appearances, recurring characters forgot he was on 24. So many TV appearances in the 80s. I probably was so familiar with his face by the time he was in Twin Peaks. Remington Steel, A-Team, Scarecrow Mrs. King, Airwolf, The Colby's Hunter, plus he was in Robocop. But the weirdest thing I found out about him just yesterday is that he lives in Glendale. He basically lives just a couple miles from me. And I know where his house is. <laughs> I'm not one to just, like, go by and try and meet someone, but if I was over there, I might be tempted just to go look at it. I purchased it in 1985. Wait, he's been living here since 1985? Wow. Three bed, two bath, 2,743 square foot home. $249,000 in 1985. Is that just Robocop money? No, no, Robocop came out a couple years later. Grace Zabriskie, born May 17th, 1941, in New Orleans, Louisiana. Birth name Grace Zabriskie Kaplinger. She has been writing poetry for years. Where's that line from her? There was a great quote. I do less waiting by the phone than anyone I know in the business. I don't wait for a job. 
I just go on to my own work. Some people are suspicious of others who have more than one talent. I've had poets tell me to my face that an actress can't be a poet. So basically, if she doesn't have a acting gig, she just goes right back to writing. Her spouse in 63, John Dunham McEachran. They have a child, Marion Lane. She's a painter. But also, wait, no, that says she has one child and she, she has two daughters. That's confusing. Maybe she has a daughter with someone else. No, it says they've been married since 1963. Her father, Roger Thomas Kaplinger, started Lafitte's, a well-known cafe and bar on Bourbon Street in the French Quarter of New Orleans, frequented by such prolific personalities as Tennessee Williams, Gorvidal, and Truman Capote. All four of her grandparents were teachers, cool, and Grace herself taught in an academy for black teen dropouts for a time. See, that's all cool. This is where I get sidetracked from, like, oh yeah, she's in Twin Peaks. I boomed on. <laughs> sort of. Because then I drift. I find myself going in a few directions because I find an article from puremovies.co.uk. Under the headline of Grace Briskate, it says Laura Palmer's mother was not available for interview, so she provided us with a poem instead. She wrote, I am in the absurd position of having so many projects, alternate projects lined up right now, that all I can think of in order to be somehow a part of your project is to send you one of the poems I have written over the years about being an actor. So it is with great pleasure that we can share her poem, Past Deaths. Your life, they say, will flash before you as you die. Your deaths, though, are what you think of as you lie there on the floor, once more being killed for camera. That time, ten hours in a coffin wearing a dress so old, close-fitting, fragile that one deep breath could rip the fabric. Leaving the coffin required a man at either elbow, lifting you fully braced, zombie-like, from supine to standing. In that day you decided people surely didn't fall so neatly to the floor when killed. What was wrong with all those actors? And so you toppled realistically. A rag doll thrown down anyhow. Before noon you did this. By dark you had found time for regrets. Sorrows for your judgments. And it goes on. I'm guessing those regrets are bruises. <laughs> Maybe we'll come back to that poem some other time. But I also got distracted by idolnetworth.com. Tells me that, among other things, her net worth is $1 million. Okay. I don't know how they measure that. Uh, actress producer Amazing Grace Zabriskie was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. She wrote her own original poetry, then performed at coffee shops and various artist hangouts in Atlanta. She was also a wonderful silkscreen printmaker. She moved to Hollywood and made her acting debut in Norma Ray, 1979. She went on to appear in over 80 movies. Oh, she has 163 acting credits on IMDb. A woman of many talents. She is currently creating her own original paintings, unique sculptures, and woodwork art that can be viewed in Los Angeles galleries. Her visual arts, which include creating lamps or sculptures with light, as she calls them, are available from the L.A.-based Art House. So then I'm scrolling down to see what kind of information they have on this website, and someone should make a movie about this woman. In the early 1960s, Zabriskie was among a circle of Carrie Thornley's New Orleans friends. At one point, Thornley began work on a novel about her, called Can Grace Come Out and Play? Thornley later claimed to have had an eight-year-long off-again-on-again affair-slash-friendship-slash-rivalry-slash-ego-game-slash-karmic-unraveling with her. Though Zabriskie described it as four and a half minutes in bed. 
Oh, man. Zabriskie may best be remembered as Mrs. Ross, a recurring character on the sitcom Seinfeld. She played the mother of another doomed daughter, Susan Ross, George Costanza's fiancé, who died after licking cheap envelope adhesive when mailing out her wedding invitations. Zabriskie's character husband on the series, who also appeared in recurring roles played by her former Twin Peaks co-star, Warren Frost. And then I got sidetracked away from the show completely by this next one. Her sister, Jane Kaplinger, worked as a typist in New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison's office. Already I'm intrigued, because when the movie JFK came out and I was an adolescent, that was my time to jump into conspiracy theories and start paying attention to shit like that. And yeah, Jim Garrison was the attorney that Kevin Costner plays in that film. But it continues. Kaplinger is reputed to have covertly produced all five copies of the first edition of the Principia Discordia in 1965. The Principia Discordia, in case you don't know it, is a Discordian religious text, just reading off the wiki, make it easy, written by Greg Hill with Carrie Wendell Thornley. Oh, Carrie Thornley, same person. Wow. Greg Hill under the name Maliclips Younger, and Carrie Wendell Thornley under the name Lord Omar Khayyam Ravenhurst. The first edition was printed allegedly using Jim Garrison's Xerox printer in 1963. The second edition was published under the title Principia Discordia, or How the West Was Lost, in a limited edition of five copies in 1965. The phrase Principia Discordia, reminiscent of Isaac Newton's 1687 Principia Mathematica, the Principia describes the Discordian society and its goddess Eris, as well as the basics of the POEE denomination of Discordianism. It features typewritten and handwritten text intermixed with clip art, stamps, and seals appropriated from other sources. And I, I think this episode's done, Fnort, but I think the next episode, or maybe multiple, are just going to be about the Principia Discordia, because I can't help but take the opportunity to talk about it. crazy. I mean, you all, if you're listening to this show, know I'm not one where I see something in Twin Peaks and think every little thing they made was meant to mean something. But also, I'm intrigued by the things that I know aren't supposed to mean something, but are interesting. See, and then there's the idea that maybe Grace was thinking of these things even if Lynch wasn't. Even if Frost wasn't. A simple lesson for Twin Peaks fans, maybe. The three principles of Principia Discordia. The aneuristic principle. Order. The heuristic principle, disorder, and the notion that both are mere illusions. It's not that everything means something. It's that you want it to. And everything means something. (laughs) Remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, mystery is the most essential ingredient of life. Mystery creates wonder, which leads to curiosity, which in turn provides the ground for our desire to understand who and what we truly are. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Peaks Radio, and on Facebook and Instagram and the neglected TikTok at Twin Peaks Radio. Or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops.
The owls may not be what they seem, but they still serve an imperative function. They remind us to look into the darkness.